I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. So we're back for part two on our, this is our second episode on Matthew 6, and we've been honing in on verses 1 through 18, really talking about why are we doing righteous deeds? Why are we doing religious activities? And there's a lot here, but a lot of it is encapsulated in this first verse. Um, It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So last time we were trying to unpack, you know, uh, what are some of the practical modern day examples of doing public prayer or public giving um, or fasting? And what are some of the ways we can, you know, signal to each other? Oh, yes, I'm really righteous. And we talked about the, the purpose of these activities and how they're really more about being driven on a desire to be close to God in an ideal context. And that, that's really what Jesus is trying to get at. Um, but we also were saying that there can be, there's this tension between uh, what he, Jesus is saying in Matthew 6 versus in Matthew 5, where it talks about letting your light shine before others. And that there's a, there's a question of who gets the glory in what we mm. do. Is it is it us? Uh, are we doing something so that we can get glory? Or are we doing something so that God can get glory? Um, which is really what Matthew 5 is emphasizing. Um, so, yeah, I'll turn it back over to you, Matt, to keep us going. Yeah. Well, so I want to start off with an embarrassing question. One uh, where none of us received any, re- any reward from our Father in heaven <laughs> for whatever. Um, have you ever had a time where... You had to do something religious in front of other people and totally failed because your heart wasn't right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then and as you're thinking about it, how can we how can we avoid this type of failure in the future? So I uh, this was uh quite a while ago. Um I was I was leading a uh Bible discussion and the campus minister was coming to our Bible discussion and uh I did it And the first Bible discussion he came to that I led, he took me aside to the other room and he said, that's one of the best Bible discussions I have ever heard. (laughs) And Uh instead of saying, really, how so? And trying to get something real out of it, my head got three times bigger than it is now. And it's pretty big now. (laughs) And so the next week he was coming again. And so I decided to do this really elaborate deep. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be deeper. I wanted to be more meaningful. I wanted to be more funny where I wanted to be funny. I wanted to be more serious where I was going to be serious. I picked this really difficult thing to talk about and we did it. And it, I could tell right from the beginning, it was failing. I would ask a question and nobody would answer it. And it was, it was just horrible. And he took me aside after that and he said, so that was one of the worst Bible discussions <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. And I don't, I don't understand what happened. And I think what happened was my, I, I got performative. Mm. 
Yeah. I wanted to I wanted to live up to this new image that I had of myself of this great Bible scholar and the what I could have done to avoid that was just did what I did the first time. Mm-hmm. Stick with something that I that I felt that I knew very well that I was working with in my own life. It's it's brevity and clarity and to make sure that I remember that I'm not the hero of this story. Yeah. That, uh, and and I think that we live in a society now where everybody's trying to be the hero of their own story all the time. And that's where we trip up. I, I'm not the hero of this story. I'm a mm. Christian. The hero of my story is Jesus. Yep. And so he's the one whose story I'm telling. And if I can keep that in mind, it, it, it helps me to avoid situations like that. That's great. I love that. Tim, you want to embarrass yourself? Well, so <laughs> I have uh, I have a bad habit of forgetting times that I did things poorly. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Well, so my, my first reply to this question was, oh, I for sure have done that a million times, but I might have not even noticed it, right? Like it might have totally failed, but I was just blind to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably more of where I think the Pharisees were at when Jesus right. was like reaming into them saying, mm-hmm. you're like whitewashed tombs, right? And you, you're doing things, you look good on the outside. Um, but then I, I asked I asked Adrian, my wife, and she had some good examples. <laughs> um, and, Why'd uh, you good for that? Aren't they? It was funny. I, I asked her and she gave an example. She's like, oh, were you trying to have me tell you the ways that <laughs> you messed up? Um, but, but there have been times where I, yeah, I've been leading like a small group discussion. Um, and I've just felt like, you know, during that time, I just felt like in a terrible place, right? Uh-huh. I just felt super like, uh, distant from God. Um, and I just felt like I had to like, kind of perform and put on a face as a leader. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's like one time where the whole point of the discussion was to kind of identify where you are in your stage of, um, discipleship or being in a relationship with God. And uh, there was one of the kind of identified sections is like, there's kind of be times where you're just like in a wall, right? And you feel distant, but you're like, you're working through it and you're fighting and that can be a really transformative time. And, uh, you know, I just totally pretended like I wasn't there, right? I just pretended like I was, you know, in a really great space where I actually probably was more in like that wall. Mm. And so, um you know, I think for me, the uh, I, I do think there were many. There have been many, many other times where my my witness was definitely uh, greatly reduced, or I, even I was mm-hmm. a, a bad witness for God because I was doing things for my own, and someone else could notice that, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't even notice it. I'm, I know that's happened, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the the antidote for me feels like just like brutal honesty, right? Mm. And there's different ways of doing that at different times, but the key is that I'm not presenting one thing while thinking another or being another. Wow. Um, and that's, uh, that's great advice. Mm. So if you're a leader who is feeling kind of funky, might be good just to get real about it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, no one's perfect. It's not like you're going to shock people that, Oh, you're having a bad day. <laughs> like right. we all have them. Uh, for me, I so I have to preface this with that my background is in acting. Actually, I, I'm an actor, and mm-hmm. uh, 
<laughs> which incidentally is the word hypocrite in Greek. That's where we get that word from. So my really? <laughs> background, that's nice, right? My background and training as a young man is in hypocrisy. <laughs> That was a lot of hypocrisy productions when I was in junior high, high school, even college. Uh, And I got to sing and dance and act in front of, like in some cases, thousands of people, which kind of is weird to think about now. Mm -hmm. But uh, so that's my background. And I remember when I became a Christian, someone asked me to to share my testimony. Uh, And this was in a small church setting and I got up and um, shared it. And I I was very, at the time, very moved by uh, just what Jesus did at the cross and was so grateful. And afterward, same kind of thing that you, you know, what how you described Van, people are coming up to me. Oh, that's so great. I was really moved by what you shared. And I was like, oh, cool. That's good. And then uh, fast forward a couple weeks. It wasn't that long. Uh, we had this big church group meeting, like l- regions coming together, lots of people. And I was asked, oh, we'd like you to share your testimony in front of that group. Oh, now we're talking about a big group, right? And I took it upon myself to, you know, really act that, like really lean into that performance, right? Like I'm going to like really uh, feel this now and, and, ha- you know, have the, the tears well up and all that, you know? And I remember after I got down from that, I thought, Oh, I know I really did a good job acting. And, and, and I, and, and almost right away, I was like, I feel gross. What did mm. I just do? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think there was something, uh, my motivation was wrong. I cared about what others, uh, were thinking of me. I liked mm-hmm. the attention and I just, uh, I, I got, I, it was, it was like glory for myself instead of glory for God. Mm-hmm. And I think what you were saying, Van is, uh, the antidote for me too, uh, that I am not the hero of the story. I love how you said that. Yeah. I, I think the examining myself, uh, if you're ever in this kind of position, examine your heart, look at your motivations, mm-hmm. be very, very, wary and concerned if you find yourself in the equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> embarrassing moments aside <laughs> now, in some ways, social media has democratized the podium. Everyone has their own soapbox now. Public prayer wasn't and isn't wrong, um, you know, as an example. Uh, but what should be our focus when we post something that has any religious or moral bent. I, you know, this goes back to me, to the, to the story that I was telling before. There's a passage in, um, in John chapter three that I'd like to read a little bit of, um, Mm. that always helps me with this. So it's in John chapter three and, uh, the, John the Baptist has just been told by a group of his followers that this guy, Jesus, that you baptized a while ago, now people are following him. People are going out to see him. He's baptizing more people than you. Mm-hmm. And they they say this to him as a, a matter of some urgency. Like, this isn't right. You're the guy. You're John the Baptist. You're the one that people are coming out into the wilderness to see. And now all of a sudden, this guy is competing with you. John says to them in chapter 3 of the Gospel of John in verse 27, he says, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. Mm. 
You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends to the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. Mm. He must become greater. I must become less. And I think when, whenever I, let me go back and say and be honest, whenever I'm in my right mind <laughs> and I'm going to present something in front of a group of people, I'm going to contribute in some way to a worship service, or I'm going to even just share something in a devotional setting or something. If I'm in my right mind, I'll think he must become greater. I must become less. Mm. And sometimes that's just, almost all the time, it's just an attitude in my heart that I have to make sure that I'm trying to highlight. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, especially when I have a prepared thing to do, sometimes it's a very practical thing. Mm. Like I'll, I'll have a long, funny story in something that I wrote. And I'll think, why am I telling this funny story? Yeah. Because I like to make people laugh. It makes me feel good about me. And, but if that's the only reason this long, funny story is in here, then maybe I shouldn't tell it. Mm. Maybe I shouldn't do it. Oh, but it's so funny. It's so awesome. It's such a great story. And people <laughs> are going to feel involved yeah. and they're going to feel, no, and it gets crossed out. Mm -hmm. Because he must become greater and I must become less. I love that. That's such a great verse to quote. Yeah, it reminds me, um, I think it's very in keeping with what we were saying uh, last episode too, about how, um, you know, questioning your motivation, why am I posting this content? Is mm -hmm. it for likes? Am I doing it for my brand? <laughs> or, or so I get recognition? Or right. rather, is it pointing to God? Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, so it's, <laughs> it's funny because... Um, we, we, this group talks a lot about social media, but I don't know how much the three of us actually use it. Um, We're on but, it right now. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in the way I think about this is there's, when, when, when I'm posting something or when I'm, you know, if I'm seeing someone else post something and I think, wow, that was really cool. Um, you know, the the benefit of, of having a podium like that is that you can reveal parts of your life to people in a way that um, helps them to see something that they wouldn't have seen before. Mm -hmm. And you can you can express, you know, this is something I believe, this is something that's important to me. This is a this is a, a critical part of you know of my life or my worldview. And if that is something that is godly that can be incredibly um, productive because it it gives it gives a chance to shine light onto something that is very good, um, and so I think that's the opportunity of the internet of um, this kind of incredible reach that we have of of doing something or talking about something and and tens or hundreds or thousands or millions of people see it, and I think you know the the flip side is. You know, if I'm not doing that thing in secret, if this isn't actually 
very important to me and the way I actually live my life, um, then it's hollow. And mm. that hollowness might not be shown immediately, um, but it will be shown mm-hmm. eventually. And so that's the that's the challenge of being in the spotlight, right? That there's, there's uh, a much closer scrutiny that gets put on us. But it's honestly not... You know, it's, I think Jesus says multiple times that God sees everything, right? He sees our heart. He sees every action. He sees what we whisper in secret. Um, and so <laughs> the social media platform is not in some ways unlike that because whoop, everything's right there on you. And uh, it might take a little bit longer for things to be exposed, um, but but it will happen. So um the way I think about this, I mean, what should my focus be when I post something, you know, am, is this something, am I revealing something that's really a part of my life that is important um, that I can just bring into the light or am I putting something on mm. for the public mm-hmm. view? Um, Cause I think that will bring me some advantage. Yeah. And if I have, when I only answer that question, it's, it's pretty easy to know, you yeah. know, should I post or should I not? Nice. Uh, Jesus says something really cool here. He says, uh, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What do you think he means by this phrase in this context? Well, you know, it, it made me think immediately of the, the passage where he said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's clearly, it's very hyperbolic. I mean, you can't, you can't, not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's not how a human body functions, right? But I think what he's saying is, I, I think maybe a couple of things. I think maybe he's saying that um, when you when you do your acts of charity, that you should really guard your heart about doing it for any other reason Um doing it for any kind of performative reason, Mm. that you should really beware of that, that you should be so urgent about being aware that you're not doing it for just mere performance to look good in front of people, that you should not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Mm. And I also think that he might be talking about it should be something that comes from inside of you and it's, it's a part of you. And so that uh, so that it is reflexive, so that it happens almost automatically, the, like mm. your like your heart beating. Yeah, you know, you're not you don't say to yourself, "I'm going to I'm going to make my heart beat," because you don't have to. Yeah, it does it by itself. It. And I, I think that that might be what he's getting at with that as well. Oh, that's that's I like that, Tim. What do you think? I mean. You know, he says right after that, so that you're giving maybe in secret. And so that's the the simple way of thinking about it. But, you know, then we've got many examples in the New Testament where give someone gives not in secret. Um, and so it's, I, I don't think it's Oops, a universal. No reward. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's like a universal prohibition about telling someone about, you know, what you're doing. The, the image I, I see is... You know, the right hand goes and gives something and then runs over to the left hand, <laughs> right? And says, oh, did you, did, you, did you see that? Did you notice that? Um, what did you do? <laughs> and that's, 
you know, if if I'm if I'm giving so that I can run over, um, I'm in great danger. You know, I'll, I'll get my reward. The left hand will be, oh wow, it's um, <laughs> incredible. Um, but yeah, the so so yeah, I think it's I think it's really it's as simple as that. You know, it's it's not so that there's this immediate feedback loop of I'm going to get my praise right now. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. the point of me to give the point of me giving without making a big deal of it is so that um, God can be glorified. And, you know, who know, who knows every time you give, right. It's the person who receives it (laughs) knows there was a gift given Mm -hmm. and God knows. And that there's quite enough opportunity there um, for, for glory, for God's glory to to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So, not, I think that's kind of where he's getting at. I, I think there's something about this where, because he's mentioning two parts of a single body, where it's more like you don't you don't take yourself so seriously. Like don't think about it yourself. Mm-hmm. Almost, I liked what you were saying, Van, about the involuntary kind of the heart's just beating. You're not thinking beat heart beat mm-hmm. beat or breathe like oh I forgot to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, you just you do it and or blink right. I think there's there's something about that with this where it checks the pride that could be in your own heart that would rob you of glorifying God. It's it's like forget about yourself. Don't focus on you. Incidentally, I got to say that's the best advice I could give anyone who has to speak publicly inside or outside of church. Don't think about yourself. How people will view you. Focus on the job you have to do. It's important to get your message across. The information you're communicating is important somehow, right? Um, I think the difference, I guess, between giving a presentation at your company or to a client uh, versus speaking at church is just, in one sense, a matter of of importance, right? I mean, there's no one more important than God. So, but if you can keep your eyes focused on God instead of what uh, instead of what you are doing, like that. It's not um, not what you're doing up there. If you keep pointing to God, right? Where you're, if you can keep your focus on God, I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. He's going to get the glory, and and he can just use you as as he's designed you. You're not tripping over yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the world loves controversy and hot takes and drama. And Jesus is telling us to take all of that stuff, what makes us popular, draws a crown, and turn it toward God, where no one else can even see it. Why should we do that? And is this just a tack to deflate hypocrisy or something more? There's um, there's a quote uh, from Origin that I find pretty helpful here. Um, and it basically says, just as water and fire can never exist simultaneously in the same place, uh, in the same way, egotism and virtue are opposed to each other and can mm. never easily coexist in the same soul. Um, and so, that you were just talking, Matt, about you know not focus, not thinking about yourself, thinking about you know the job you're trying to do or the purpose behind what you're you know what you're saying or communicating, um, and I think that many of the times when we're, con- uh, you know, feeling the pull to do something so that other people can see us, right? It's just, yeah, it's just our ego, mm-hmm. right? It's just, 
our pride um, wanting to get puffed up. And when that happens, um, when we're, we're being prideful in that way, um, it's very hard to have the heart of compassion and self-sacrifice and love um, or all the other things we might think of as virtue um, in in our heart. So I do think it's, it is deflating hypocrisy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, by creating room for for virtue to grow. Mm. I like that. Yeah, I think what it also does is it also fosters an intimacy in your relationship with God. When there are things that you do that only he and you know. Mm. And, um, you know, I think about in in my relationships with my family, my my wife and my son and my daughter, there are things in each of those relationships that are between us, ways that I try, that I give to them that are only meaningful to them and that I only, that only happen between us and nobody else really knows about it. And it makes, it makes those things, and they're, generally kind of small things but when i do them there's a there's a look that i get with each of them and i say and for them to know you know i got you on this i love mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. and it's just that little and it's it's just it's gratifying it lasts a millisecond and um but i live for it <laughs> in those relationships i think of the the there's a very uh fascinating passage for me fascinating for me anyway in revelation 2 where uh and you know revelation he's he's giving all these messages to the churches there in the beginning of revelation and at the end of them he he has a little exhortation or a warning and in one of them he says um to the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. I just, I, I read that mm. and it feels like one of those things. It feels like I want there Special. to be things between me and God that only he knows. Yeah. I, I want to, I just want to do something for somebody that even that person doesn't even know that it was done for them because I want I want God to know that. <laughs> I want it to be like that little white stone. I want it to be that little intimate thing that only he knows. And in those seconds there's a closeness to God that I feel that just it defies description. Mm. That's nice. You know in the last example here, the fasting one, Jesus uses a word for disfigure, uh, where they disfigure their faces. It also means disappear. Mm-hmm. It's just a wonderful turn of phrase Jesus uses. He, he, it's fascinating. When, you, when they fast, they disappear their face to appear holy. What does living like this do to you? And what do you think it means for our holiness? Yeah, I'm curious, Matt, what your thoughts are on this because I I struggled with this question a bit. But it it does feel this kind of like, um, you know, this sort of contortion, right? Mm -hmm. Like disfiguring or disappearing to appear. It's like you're kind of 
doing something out of order in the way it's supposed to be. Um, and I just kept on thinking about Matthew 23 and, and Jesus's indictment of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees mm, yeah, and um, yeah. him calling them whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. Mm. And there, there's something in that too, of this kind of like contortion or distortion of what should be, all right? Something mm-hmm. that's beautiful in one place, but totally disgusting in the other. Um, and and I think that that's the kind of the root issue um, when when we're disfiguring or disappearing in order to, to seem one way to, to those whose opinion ultimately doesn't matter at all, right? There's this something that should be beautiful that's not. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's kind of what it, it did for me as I was mm-hmm. thinking about this. Yeah, I think it, 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 it becomes purely performative when you do that. It's only a performance, Oddly, I thought of um, this this character that John Lovitz used to play on Saturday Night Live oh. for some reason. It, it he was an actor, and he would he it's would do acting. these he would do these dramatic things, <laughs> and then people would Master respond to. They would say, "Oh no, your mother died," for instance, and he would say, "No, it was acting," and the joke was. <laughs> He thought he was such a great actor that everything he did was only a performance <laughs> and it made all the performances just stupid and <laughs> contrived and he wasn't really no, he, wasn't. he wasn't really doing what he thought he was doing. And I think that when we when we do things like these like these Jesus is accusing these religious people of doing of disfiguring themselves of trying to look like they're fasting. Mm-hmm. You deprive it of all of its relevance, of all of the good that it could do for you or for the people maybe that you're fasting for, you deprive it of everything because you make it nothing but a performance. That's all it is. Yeah. When you can get to a point where that's all it becomes and then you're the one who's self-deceived. You're like that John Lovitz character where you think I'm this great person and everybody else is thinking, look at this guy. He's what's wrong with him. Right. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I think it's pretty clear from this passage that when we try to disappear ourselves to appear holy, mm-hmm. our real holiness also disappears. <laughs> right. <laughs> For me, it kind of reminded me of, I don't know if you, you know, the potential, uh, I can't even say it. Potemkin village, you know, have you ever heard that term? Um, I think it originated from Russia. Uh, Catherine was going around and um, they had these facades that looked really good Mm -hmm. for this area she was touring, uh, but there was nothing behind them. It was just facades Mm -hmm. and they'd get people to dress up and as peasants and have fires in front of them. Oh, Mm -hmm. it doesn't look good as you walk by. Anyway, uh, it kind of reminded me of that kind of thing, that there's something that looks good on the outside but, you know, our holiness has no substance behind it. Mm-hmm. It's all for show. So when we live for the approvals of others, I think something that we we mentioned before, like it's hollow. It feels that way, right? It's insecure. You're grasping. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a lie. It's, it's, it's not real life. Mm-hmm. And no one's, no one's perfect. Uh, but to try to keep up that appearance 
which is this lie, I think is exhausting. That's mm-hmm. the other thing I think about. And, and if we fall in this trap and we start comparing ourselves to others around us, I think that's also something that's like that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I'm not like so and so, right? I'm, I'm, you know, I say these prayers and I do all these great things. Um, on the flip side, when we're real with who we are and how much we need God in His mercy, when we say like the 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 sinner. Oh, I'm a sinner, God. You know, uh, we give glory to God. Mm-hmm. We're and, and also I, this is the other thing I was thinking. If we're really to call ourselves Christians, we should live this way all the time because this is how Jesus lived. Yeah, you know, he was God in the flesh. His Majesty was hidden mm-hmm. <laughs> so much so that they crucified him on a cross, and uh, you know. The cross was his glorification, actually, mm-hmm. because you, he he was pointing back to uh, God, and and that's where we see God's love in the face of of unjust punishment and suffering. And yeah, anyway, that's uh, that's the high calling we have. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess just to to wrap this up, we got one more question. Jesus talks about doing things in secret to be seen only by God, and that God will reward you. What do you think this reward is? Well, the first thought that I had was, well, it's heaven, right? We we get to be with God for all eternity. But then I thought also, and maybe primarily, it's the increasing likeness to Christ that comes from mm. it. That when we can when we can pull this off and when we can do it for the right reasons and have the right motivation. What results from that is I'm more like Jesus after that. And if I can continue to do that, I become more like Jesus and that I become, you know, the opposite of the person who's acting all the time until their acting isn't even good anymore. What happens is the person who's motivated and, and properly motivated by the love of God and by gratitude towards God you become more and more like God. Hmm. I think that that's the reward. Yeah, I think it's a both and. Um, but there's anyone who has spent any part of their life <laughs> focused on getting other people to think of them a certain way is familiar with that sense of you know things caving in. Mm-hmm. Right? There's like I, I'm always fighting against you know this insatiable desire that other people have for me to look a certain way mm-hmm. or for my own perception to keep up that appearance mm-hmm. right and when i do things out of motivation to please god and to be more like god um i'm i'm inviting i'm inviting the spirit to come in and to to remove that that prison right mm-hmm. and so you know there's everyone who sins is a slave to sin or in Second Corinthians, now the, the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, right? Mm. And so I, I think there, there is a very real gift and a reward of becoming free from having to keep up the appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, of, and that's, that's pretty profound um, for, you know, at least talking as a person who's naturally a people pleaser, naturally feels that pressure, Um to realize that I don't need to forever live that way. Yeah, that is a reward mm. to to take the the burden off your shoulders of 
I have to measure up. I have to look good. I have to, you know, compare myself to everyone around me. And uh, that is exhausting. Mm-hmm. I think what you were saying too, Van, about a God, you know, being with him forever and eternity, I think that is part of this too. Like when I look at the flow of Matthew 6, I can see like in the, in the very next verses, it starts talking about don't treasure earthly treasure, treasure mm-hmm. uh, heavenly treasure. And, um, you know, it reminds me of First Peter 1 where he says uh, he describes an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. It's kept in heaven. And um, so there's something better that's waiting for us. We've mm-hmm. got, I don't know exactly what this is. Paul talks about a crown, an imperishable crown. You, you read about a, a, mm-hmm. um, a crown of glory even in, in uh, I think, First Peter as well. Uh, and, but I, I don't know, I, just for me, all of that, who knows what that exactly means, but there's mm-hmm. something better, way better than anything here. And so that kind of like, that's our hope, you know, tied in like an anchor in heaven. But but the biggest reward, whatever all that other stuff is that can't perish or, you know, spoil, the biggest one I think is God. And and this is, I think what we're we're seeing that the motivation, all of this is relationship with God. That's where it Mm -hmm. comes from. And it reminds me of, of Genesis 15, where God turns to Abram and says, I am your shield your very great reward. Mm. I think what we're seeing here in part with what Jesus is preaching here is, is uh, we should have a focus on God and value him mm-hmm. above everything else. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, I think that winds us down here for this session. This has been fun. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for this discussion guys. Yeah.